from Los Angeles, California. This is the Rider Strike Chronicles podcast, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, everybody. Today is Wednesday, January 16th, 2008, day 73 of the Rider Strike. In today's episode, I went to the picket line on Monday when Warner Brothers laid off 1,000 employees. There, I talked to Winnie Holtzman at the picket line in front of the studios. Winnie is best known as the creator of the television series My So-Called Life, and she's also written for The Wonder Years, 30-something, and Once and Again. It's worth noting that I interviewed Winnie's daughter, Savannah Dooley, only a few weeks ago. Okay, let's roll sound. I'm at the picket lines with Winnie Holzman. And Winnie, um, I interviewed your daughter Savannah. Right. And uh, I mispronounced your name when I set up the uh, the interview, so I'm really sorry about that. That's okay. You left out the Z, but my name has actually got a Z, and it's Winnie Holzman. Okay. So where are we today? Can you help me establish a shot and why we're here? We're right in front of Warner's. We're in front of the sort of cushy um, places where the execs kind of hang out with their great big huge offices and swanky secretaries. And we're near Taco Bell and there's a lot of horns honking because we have a lot of strike signs that say honk to support the writers. And I've been here a lot in the past few weeks and I've also been over at NBC. Okay. And what's it been like? Well, you know, this is an incredible day because they did what they called an action today, a strike action, where everyone was encouraged to come here, to converge here. And so there's so many people here today, and it's been really uplifting, I think, for us writers to see a big crowd. Because what had been happening up until then is people were sort of spreading out all around to the different studios, and some of the studios were getting a big turnout, and some, like this studio, Warner's, were getting a kind of a smaller one. Weekend? Yeah, Yeah, and there was a... You know, there's an incredible sense when you've got a big crowd like we had today of a positive energy. There's a sudden influx of positive energy because you see others, you feel like, you know, we really do have solidarity. And it's a good feeling. So today's been a great day. Was solidarity ever in doubt? I don't think so. But what happens is, I think when you walk a picket line day in, day out, it's a little bit like Groundhog Day. (laughs) And you come and it feels a little surreal. If you start to see in your little area dwindling numbers, Mm -hmm. even though it could be growing on the other side of the hill Mm -hmm. or in the other part of the valley Mm -hmm. or in another studio, psychologically, you leave that day feeling a little down. You don't even know why. And so when we see our numbers rise like this, like we did today, it just was a good feeling. It was a positive energy feeling. No, I think solidarity is real. And we have the actors supporting us, which is so important. And that's a really good feeling. And today, apparently, the, you know, the DGA is in negotiations. And I'm just hoping and praying that they can come to a deal that we could feel okay about. That would be wonderful. That would be a, a godsend. How long have you been in the Guild? Oh, let's see. I guess it's like 18 years. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's 18 or 19 years. What got you in the Guild? I'm not the best math person. <laughs> that's probably why I'm in the Guild and not a... 
<laughs> I don't know, accountant or what, what got me in? Yeah. Well, I got a job on my favorite TV show at the time. At the time, my favorite TV show was 30 something. Mm-hmm. And I got my dream came true and I got a job writing on my favorite show, which is a great feeling. It happened through a series of events that were truly fate, a wonderful fate. I got to work for Ed Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz, who are kind of like my. You know, my mentors in the business and my my big brothers, two honorary big brothers, and I love them. They're just wonderful men, and they they gave me my start, and that was how I got into the guild. Can you comment on Quarter Life? Well, I haven't watched Quarter Life. Um, Sorry, Marshall and Ed, I just haven't. But I know people who are watching it who are enjoying it. Commenting on it? I mean, I can't comment on something I haven't seen. I know it was controversial when they made their deal, etc. But I understand from Marshall's point of view that they made a deal with NBC. In other words, they made a deal from the internet. um, NBC picked it up. First of all, this is a really important sort of breakthrough because they own their show. They got it up and running without a studio, without a a network. And then the network came and, and bought it. They did. So they no longer own it? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm, they do own it. Oh, they still own it even though the networks bought it? I don't understand how that works. I'm well, sorry. Well, the network acquired it, and I'm not the right person to okay. explain all the ins and outs, but they do own their show. It's a different paradigm. It's a different business paradigm, and that's why they did it. They were very, very interested to explore. Yay, riders! They were very interested to explore another another way of approaching our business, a new way, an out-of-the-box way, and they are the kind of guys who are actually not just interested in that, but able to do that. And I do feel it's an important breakthrough, and they apparently did make that deal before we went out. And I think that's one of the things... There's many things needed here, but one of the things that is needed is a new approach to this business, for sure. Okay. So, what's going on at Warner Brothers today that there's such a need for solidarity? Well, it has to do with people being laid off. And, you know, one of the things that frustrates me is that there's no highlighting in the press about what's really going on, which is the fact that they cynically walked away, that management cynically walked away, knowing that they weren't going to negotiate. You know, now they're negotiating with directors, but they were never apparently going to negotiate seriously with us. That's really what it looks like. And I think it's just terribly cynical and terribly greedy. I mean, putting all these people... I feel solidarity not just with these writers, but with everyone that's being laid off at Warner's and all around the city. We never wanted this. We are trying to fight a kind of corporate greed that is really insidious. It's a really insidious... I almost see it as like a cancer on the country. How so? Well, I feel that these corporations answer to no one. They're so huge. If you look across the country, you can see that that they try to demoralize unions. And unions are the heart and soul of America. I mean, unions are what makes people able to have a good life, even though they're not the CEO of a corporation, that gives protections, important protections. And we're writers, and I realize we don't go into coal mines and all of that. We're not garbage workers, but, you know, we still... You tell the story of the garbage worker or the coal miner's daughter. Correct. We need, we are very needed. And it's very important that people understand that there's this tiny percentage of us that are superstar types that 
you know, are hugely successful. Most of our number are people who are just trying to hang on to their homes, hang on to their kids' college fund. I mean, that's where it's at for us, and that's what we're out here trying to protect. And I feel that we're speaking for everyone who is fighting a huge corporation, because the corporations, like I say, they're rogues. They answer to no one. They do what they want. Why do you think it's underreported in the press? Because they control the press, and it drives me absolutely nuts. It's very frustrating. It's very frightening. It's a real David and Goliath issue. And that's one of the reasons I think it's easy for us as writers to become discouraged, because when you're fighting such a huge monolith, it's very frightening. It's very demoralizing on some level. But that's all the more reason why we must stand and fight. They must not have the last word here. It isn't right. Some things just aren't right. You know, a long time ago, as everybody knows, the people who wrote I Love Lucy had no union coverage. They had no union protections. They had no such thing as a residual. And that show was run three times a day, you know, 52 weeks a year, and made, you know, just countless millions for that studio and those studios involved and those people didn't see any of that money and everybody in America knows that that's not fair and that's what the corporations and the studios are trying to turn back the clock with the internet now that there's a new place a new a new place where where entertainment is 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 broadcast from they're trying to turn back the clock to those I love Lucy days when writers were not compensated fairly they're trying to make that stand and all we're saying is you can't turn back the clock we already fought that fight we were given residuals our kids were able to go to college on those residuals we were able to buy a house and have a mortgage and you can't take that away from us and that's what this strike is about well help me understand this because I am from a union family my dad was an IATSE I'm in SAG but I don't understand how the internet can be unionized What we're talking about is ABC, I have a show called My So-Called Life. ABC is playing pilots of that show, you know, on their ABC, what is it called, Um, you know, what's that? Their channel on YouTube or? No, on, you know, their ABC website. Oh, oh, their portal. Yeah, Yeah, they're playing my show to, to sell DVDs that I don't have a cut of. Now, all we're saying is, you're making money on the internet. We need to be part of that money that you're making. We need a cut. And the cut that we're asking for is very little. It's, it's, it's very humble. It is not large. It would not put anyone out of business to give us that cut. And this strike could be settled tomorrow because they can afford to give us that cut. And that's what this strike is about. Something they can easily afford, but they're not doing it. Why? corporate greed. They don't have to do it. No one's forcing them to do it. We're trying to make a force here, but it's pretty fucking... Oh, it's okay. It's an internet. Free speech. It's pretty fucking hard because we're, our hands are tied. There's reality television. There's all the stuff that the network stockpiled. It's very hard for us to make a dent. You know, what can I say? They... Well, here's a... Okay, so you're talking about um, solidarity and keeping spirits up. What would you have to say to your brothers and sisters on the line who are listening? All I have to say is we know we're in the right. And when, we, when you really, really know you're in the right, we have no choice. 
And everyone here knows that, and that's why we're here. Everyone knows that this is the right thing to do. We have to stand up, not just for ourselves, but for the next generation of writers, for my daughter's generation, for Savannah Dooley's generation. I mean, we can't leave them a situation where it went back in time to a place where writers have absolutely no protections, which is what this is all going to lead to if we, you know... which is why we had to strike, okay. which is exactly why we had to strike. And all I would say is, I think everyone's been amazing. I mean, there's been so much positive energy. There's been so much sense of solidarity. And I just would say, keep it up and let's hang tough. Let's see it through. Yeah, we'll have to. All right. Thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. You have been listening to the Writer Strike Chronicles podcast. For more information, visit our blog at wgastrike2007.blogspot.com. 